Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today is Tell Del Tuesday, and the guest I have today is interesting and I want to bring up two very important points about this guest as we get into this conversation with him. The number one is he made a point in his bio that said, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Interesting point on how many people actually work in the business of real estate for a living as a job and yet don't see it as an investment opportunity. Second thing he said that I thought was very interesting was that he was ready to do it and then he couldn't get into it because he wasn't ready to do it. In other words, mentally he'd come to the conclusion he wanted to do it, but his life had been arranged in such a way that things were keeping him from it. Yet he came back, and to be able to come back, I think is one of the strongest testaments you can make because life does get in our way for all of us. So let's welcome Robert Thompson out of San Antonio, Texas. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir, appreciate it. So Robert, you were ready. And then you couldn't do it. Let's talk about what got you ready. What what brought you to real, thinking about real estate as an investment, and not just as a job? Well, I mean, I'd been in it my whole career, and actually, I'd been in it my whole life as I was growing up. My parents were both in real estate, so it was literally all I'd been exposed to my entire life. I got to the point that uh, wanted to wanted to finally start doing something. As you said, I've been in the industry. I've been in the commercial side of the industry, and. I had just never seen the ability for me to have, hey, I got half a million dollars in the bank, let's go buy something. Uh, I did not have that capability. Finally started doing some more on the uh, the single-family side of the industry, and it was a more bite-sized portions that would allow me to do something. problem I had at that point is I had two kids in college, and we were doing it literally as pay-as-you-go. So there wasn't the extra money laying around to get into anything at that point in time. How did you sustain your focus? You know, you went two years where you knew you wanted to start down this path, but you knew financially, family-wise, you just couldn't take the step. But you maintained the focus for two years. How did you do that? Just, I have a tendency when I get interested in something, I literally will read everything I possibly can. When I was growing up, I'd get interested in a subject and I'd go to the public library and I would literally check out every book they had on it, learn it completely, understand it, then I'd move forward on to the next thing. This one, there's just so much information out there. While I have a significant depth of information in one part of real estate, there's a lot I don't know about. You know, I don't know about the management and, and, and operations and that type of thing. I'm, certainly, I have a general understanding based on what I do, but the, the getting down to the nitty-gritty, there's a lot that I still needed to learn. And so I just continued to educate myself over that time until the opportunity presented itself again. For those out there that are listening to us, uh, Robert, they, they don't know what you do. Why don't you explain to them your job? I'm actually an appraiser. I started an appraisal, I got a degree in finance in college, started an appraisal literally a month after I left school, and 
and have stayed in that. I hate to admit it, I've been doing it for 39 years now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. And that's where the, the forest and the trees uh, analogy you mentioned earlier came into being. Uh, as an appraiser, we're trying to look at something for what it's worth today, not the what I call the story. I, I can look at the picture, but I never saw the movie of what happens to that over time. And you, you keep your nose down to the grindstone and you never look up and go, wait a minute, there's a bigger picture here. I need to look at that. And that's what uh, Lifestyles allowed me to do, to step back and let's look at the movie and, and watch the changes versus just here's what's happening today. Boy, I love that analogy, Robert. I hope you don't mind if I steal that from you. Go right ahead. <laughs> it's a good one because we are we're right in the middle of life and that's why we can't see what's really going on around us because we're right in the middle of it all and so it's uh, a great analogy to be able to see it for what it's going to be instead of what it is right this moment um how'd you get started uh, when you finally did come back and you, you were getting started you started with one single family house yeah actually i went in and, and, and sat down al gordon was a mentor at that time and I sat down with him and I said, look, I've got, you know, 40000 in the bank and I'll have about 30000 here coming up. And do I go multi? Do I go single? He said, that, based on where you are, you're kind of right at that borderline, but go single family. So, yeah, I bought, I bought my first house, already had a tenant in it. There was me and one other, uh, there was a couple there looking at it. And I was in first position. And if I didn't take it, they were going to. And I took it and, you know, haven't looked back since. That is an awkward situation, isn't it? When you go out and there's two or three people there looking at the same property and you're put in the position, you got to do something or, or pass it by. Yeah, and you're standing there. It's not, make the decision as you stand here. But uh, it, was, it turned out to be a very good decision for me. Uh, more than anything else, just getting started, doing that first one. And, you know, I was about to cut a, a fairly large check for the, out of the cash I had at hand on that t- at that time. And uh, just have to buckle down and do it, and it's been great. I remember back when I was a young lad and I was mentoring people <laughs> many, many years ago. I used to tell people, look, this is a great deal. Either you take it or I'm going to buy it. And that always seemed to get them, you know. It's like, what? You're going to take it away? Yeah, I'll take it if you don't want it. David Fisher did the same thing to people all the time, too. So it's kind of interesting you were there with other people. And I've seen people pass. Interesting story. I've seen more. Robert, where somebody like you were in first position, they go, nah, nah, this just can't do it. Then the guy, one or two tags behind them take it, and then it turns out to be some incredible deal over some period of time. You know, six months to a year later, they made $50,000 on $10,000 or something crazy, and they go, wow. They're at the case study where the person <laughs> turned down the deal is sitting there listening to the person who took the deal. So it's, it's an interesting world out there. Do you think being an appraiser gives you some sense Advantage, that's the word I'm looking for, some some advantage in what you're doing? I, I think it gives me an edge just in looking at the deal in, in the speed at which I can make a decision. Uh, you know, I can sit there and look at, hey, it's going to be worth $200,000 when it's done. You know, they're asking X amount for it now. I can walk through and, and uh, have a general understanding. I, I can make a five-minute decision looking at it at a at the computer, uh, and you know, then I can go walk the property. I just, it, I have a higher comfort level, I think, because I'm an appraiser uh, yeah. than, than other people do. But I haven't, I mean, there's certainly been deals I've walked away from uh, because the numbers at the end of the day just didn't work. And, and I actually had uh, lost some money on one because I had a earnest money that went hard because it was a VA foreclosure. But um, it's, 
I do have a timing advantage, I think. But beyond that, um, I, I almost think in some ways my knowledge uh, may hold me back in some areas. Uh, you get a little overconfident on things. I feel a little too good about, I think it's only worth this much money. And uh, I spent 15 minutes on it, but an appraiser gets hired to do it. And he comes in $10,000 more than I thought it was worth. And after I read his report, I'm like, yeah, he's right. Speed helps in that initial, but it I think it hurts me as we get into the deal a little bit deeper. As an appraiser, I'm sure that you're very aware of the fact that we, we'll go into contract on something one day, and we're doing a CMA on this thing, and it's coming out to be, I'm, I'll make up a number, it's coming out to be $100,000, and four weeks later, six weeks later, when we close it, it's $110,000. Sometimes it changes that much. Yeah, it, 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 especially these days. It, it's a little crazy out there. But uh, let's I, hold that thought. Let's hold think. that thought. Hold that okay. thought. We'll pick it up on the other side because they're about ready to push us out the, the segment. Dell Wamsley on how to live the lifestyle. You can see a lot of people that are going through their savings rapidly, especially during the pandemic when people didn't, there was no work going on. People that work for short periods of time had a lot of problems because there was no jobs for them. The second problem they experienced, though, was that they don't have savings accounts because there's no savings plan set up, there's no 401k, there's no IRA. Again, you should have that on your own. Even without a 401k or IRA, you should have some type of investment plan. But the most important ones, I think, was the one before that, which is said, people don't know how to invest. Even if you have a savings plan, and obviously if you put in a 401k and IRA, you really can't control it. But even if you do have an investment plan, you have to know how to invest your money to be able to do what we do here at Lifestyles, which is make a lot of money. Let's just put a cap on it. What do we do? We make a lot more money than the average person makes in their savings plans, with their savings plans. In other words, we take monies, just like everybody else does, that we've saved from some type of income producing situation, and we invest it. We'll be right back with Robert Thompson from San Antonio and the Dell Walmsley Radio Show. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Here with me on Tell Dell Tuesday is Robert Thompson out of San Antonio, Texas. And Robert is sharing his story about how he, as an appraiser, had been in the business of uh, real estate for his entire life. And then one day he decided to get invested into it and just went crazy all over the stuff. Uh, Robert, when you first started and you came in and took the two day, when you were talking about going from the snapshot view of what you did for a living to the movie version of how this all works, what aha moments did you have in the, in the two day seminar? Yeah, boy, there were so many of them. You know, the I, I took it in, and actually I took it in 2016 and and sat through the, the whole thing David Fisher was teaching at that time, and, and, uh, or at least in San Antonio. And, and uh, it was just the, the numbers as far as going in and, and doing the hard money and fixing it and refinancing it and holding it. That was just a, a process that was completely foreign to me. I never, never looked at something that way. It was always, what is it going to be when it's, it's finished, but not really a, a function of you don't have to come up with all the money day one to pull this off. You don't have to do it for cash. There are lenders out there that do because I just I'd never dealt with hard money at all. Um, I'd always dealt with in lenders and in deals, if you will. Uh, so that was a, a big aha. You know, the other one was just that the way the numbers worked in that process. 
uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'd look at the hard money loan and it was a higher interest rate, points and fees and everything else. I thought, my God, why would I want to give that much money away for, to somebody? But when you really sit down and do the math, it's not that much uh, because of how it's all structured. It just looks that way on the surface. So both of those, the, uh, the multifamily, which is the, the Sunday part of it, I was still trying not to drown from all the information the first year drinking from that fire hose, or the first day drinking from that fire hose. I didn't have enough going on to focus as much on the multifamily side of it because I was still processing all of the single family. It was just so foreign to every, anything I'd ever seen. So when you uh, you went out there and, and decided to get started in, you know, you got mentored into trying single-family houses. You were perfectly comfortable with that, I assume. Yeah. And uh, what was your plan? Was it to buy one, to buy two, five, seven? What? How did you start out? Just so you, people out there are thinking about this construction in their mind, how do you attack this elephant? You know, it's one bite at a time, right? But what is that first yeah, bite? It, well, it, it's one bite at a time, but, you know, in, in the concepts that are taught, in the classes are, you know, hey, you, you don't want to lose any money, and, and it's got a cash flow. But uh, everybody's got a little bit different take on what fits them best. For me, I didn't need the cash flow to live on. It wasn't going to change my day-to-day life very much. But equity capture would change it. And so I chose to focus on the deals where I could have the biggest equity capture and uh, that's what I focused on. So you know, I looked at every deal I did. If I was having to put you know, $20,000 in the deal, I wanted to have my $20,000 and $20,000 in profit in the deal once it was all put together as a minimum. And with, I think, one exception, I've been there. And some of them have been significantly greater. My Third deal, I had less than ten thousand in, and when I sold it a little over a year later, I walked away from the closing table with over fifty thousand dollars. So, I mean, you know, that was a that was a, a phenomenal deal. They're certainly not all that way, but it gave me that equity capture to go put into other deals and grow that. Uh, I've done so far. I've purchased eleven deals. I've sold three of them. Um, I've I've talked my girlfriend into buying three on her own, and and the the joke with that is I tell her if she's not going to buy it, I will, and that's when she knows <laughs> it's a good enough deal to buy. So that's the that's the game we play, and and she's been very happy, I think, with with her stuff because that's I'm, I'm putting her on the same process I'm doing. You got to at least get that hundred percent capture. When you you look back at this now, and this is just give me round numbers. You don't have to rack your brain. Give me sure. Exacts, but uh, you started with about forty thousand, and you did something to free up another twenty, so you had about sixty to start with. What is your net worth now? That number has gone up a, a little under. I've gone up over eight times that wow. since April of twenty nineteen. What is your goal now at this time? Um, I'm at that transition point where uh, looking at going over to to multifamily. And I just, this has been so good for me. I, and and I've, you know, I've got a little bit of an advantage, I think, in, in understanding the deals. Uh, I haven't made that transition yet, but uh, 
everybody I talk to is beating me over the head and telling me I'm stupid if I don't. So, uh, you know, this year I'll make that transition. The, the question is, do I sell everything and move over, or do I um, just throw at it what I've got? Uh, I think I'll probably be selling everything over the next year or two and making that transition, but uh, just have to find the right deals. Yeah, in this market right now, I look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm thinking, you know, I wish I didn't sell everything that I sold off to move up. Um, I wish I would have just, you know, became a lead and had other people invest money with me so that I could keep my stuff. Because everything that I've ever touched is now three, four, five times more expensive than when I bought it. It's just amazing. And you wish you still had it, but, you know, you, you get rid of it so you can move up is one of the approaches that we do teach. There's no doubt about it. Um, trying to move into the multifamily aspects of this stuff. The way it's been with me, you know, I, we talk about retiring, you know, and, and I've, I've achieved that level where, you know, cash flow coming in is is covering all the expenses. And um, so then it's a function of, well, that's a nice safety net. Um, if, every, you know, if everything goes bad, I've still got a roof over my head, all the expenses are covered and everything else. And you got to let go of that to make that next big step. Or you don't have to, but if you let go of that, you can make that next big step so much faster. But uh, it is it is the next big step. You know, Robert, there's two parts, I'd, two things I'd like to make a point about on the on what you just said. One of them is you're in a business where you can cut back the amount of actual work you do, so you can do the amount that feels comfortable to you, and have the time you need to go do whatever it is you want to do. So. That, that point is one. The, the second one I'll pick up when we come back from the break. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. I do want to make this point to everybody out there, all right? This poor lady signed up for one of these stupid stock trading courses. Do you understand that trading stocks on a daily basis like this is really nothing but gambling? You might as well sign up for how to cut cards or how to play cards because it's just insane. You're going to lose, the odds are against you. It isn't gonna work. And you know what, I wanna add this to it. And so is every other real estate course out there that has to do with flipping and wholesaling and working your butt off and busting your butt and taking advantage of people and selling stuff too high and buying it too low and ripping people off. Guys, we're not doing any of that. We're buying assets that make us passive streams of income. We'll be right back with Robert Thompson, the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. The show with me here today on Tell Del Tuesday is Robert Thompson. Robert's out of San Antonio, Texas, and he's done uh, 11 houses, is it, Robert? Yeah, I've done 11 myself. So as we go into break, I wanted to make two points um, in conjunction with what you'd already said, and you pretty much said what I was going to say, uh, was that, okay, now you're in a situation where you've gotten to that point where we call retirement, when your passive income equals or exceeds your earned income. And one of the things that uh, you know you were saying was, uh, maybe I have to make a big change in my life. And what I wanted to point out to people out there, and maybe you too, but mostly to the people listening, is that maybe you don't have to make that big change. In other words, I would suggest that most people look at life like, okay, I've got my main hustle, you know, my job, and then I've got my side hustle. That's my investments over here, right? All that happens when you get where I'm at is that the side hustle becomes the main hustle. 
And it's, there's more money coming in from your investments than there is from your earned income. And so what happens is like me, I've still got earned income and I like having earned income, but I have it by doing radio shows and doing a few seminars and live pre- uh, presentations and so forth. And I get paid from my company to do that. That is my earned income. I still like earned income. It's, it's a neat thing because it's there and you get taxed on it, which is cool because if you get taxed on something, the government leaves you alone because you're paying some taxes <laughs> instead of just being the guy who's this dude over here with all this money doesn't pay any taxes and they hate you like they hated Trump, right? So I, I think what you got to look at is you've got that kind of a job where it very simply could just be a rebalancing a shuffle, right? You move a little more into real estate as your main hustle, and then the appraising becomes a little bit more of your side shuffle. What do you think of a thought like that? Well, I, I think you are 100% correct in that, except for one thing. I do not have an easy time stepping away from work. I, it's just my personality. You know, I, I get up in the morning, I work. You know, if, if I have some free time, I, I work, and uh, it's, a, it's a personality trait, or you could even call it a personality flaw. I have trouble stepping back from anything, and, and you know, clients call, hey, is there any way we can have it Tuesday? we got a whole more coming in. Can you help us out? I have a hard time telling them no. So I think with me, it's really going to have to be let it build up and then almost completely walk away. Uh, I just don't know if I'm be able to pull off the, the have, having a leg in each, in each boat. I don't know if I can do it. I got to get you in some classes, Robert, on on um, <laughs> space. How do you, what's it called? Social space. You know, you stay out of my zone here. You got to you got to learn to keep some of your space to yourself, buddy. So that's why I understand what you're saying, though. Uh, let's call it what it is. You're a workaholic yes. and uh, a excessive compulsive personality that needs to be doing something at all times. I've I've been there, done that, and luckily, as I got older, it, it wore off a little bit. So. It took me a lot well, to, to walk away from stuff. Yeah, it did. It was tough. And the worst one is, and this doesn't sound like you, but the, for me, is I was the kind of guy that if I didn't have something to do, I'd make something to do. I'd just invent something else. I'd get involved in something else. So I was busy. So, but I'm luckily, not quite that bad, thankfully. Yeah, exactly. You know, But you can grow out of this stuff. So, All right, so we got you doing single family now. You're ready to move to multifamily, but are you? Are you ready to do that, or are you just sitting there going to do a few more houses first, or where are you at? I, I mean, actually, I've got one I'm trying to get right now. Uh, it, it's hard to, you know, it's another deal, it's a good, good, it meets all my criteria. It's hard to say no. Uh, I need to say no. It's gotten, the deal's gotten bogged down, so maybe, maybe, you know, the universe is trying to tell me something. Hey, you know, don't do this one. Go ahead and shift over to multifamily. I just have to go through and finish educating myself in that sector before I'm gonna gonna step off and and you know do I go and do a small IRO or do I do a, a, a moderate size or small size lead deal and I just I haven't decided which way to go there yet I don't necessarily want another job um, mm-hmm. so IRO may be the way that I, I need to focus. Let's talk about something else. Let's go a different direction for a second. Um, being that you're in the real estate business. Has anybody had anything to say about you becoming an investor, either pros or cons? No, not really. I mean, it, it's I've been very open with you know friends, family, and, and and what I'm doing, and and trying to convince them, hey, you need to you need to do this. The uh, it's been interesting being the investor. I think has actually helped me 
on the appraisal side in, in looking at things a little bit differently at times. So I, I think there's a good balance back and forth. One, one part helps me in the other and vice versa. But overall, no, one, no one's had any negative other than, well, why didn't you figure this out sooner? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, don't we all wish that, right? Yeah. No doubt. A lot, well, actually, funny, your first office in Houston was like four blocks from the high school I graduated from. Really? Wow. Yeah. Which a Wisdom High School now, which used to be the lead back back when I went to it. But yeah, so and and I lived and worked within a three mile radius of your office when you started. I just never heard about you till twenty sixteen in San Antonio. I joined in twenty sixteen. I left, start, rejoined in twenty eighteen, and did something first in twenty nineteen. Um, so you started really in two thousand nineteen. Let's see, it's two thousand twenty two right now. So it's two three years maybe. What would you do differently if you had it to do again? From that point in time, figure out a way to go faster. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a big part of this uh, success, I think, that is the velocity of of the deals, the velocity of money, how fast you go through it. And uh, I think one of the problems is you'll buy a property that's making you good money. You'd be better off selling it, taking that money, and going buying two more properties. But it's easy just to let the checks come in the mail and not not worry about, but uh, not focusing on it as much as I could and making it as making it more successful for me than it has been. Okay, so you do it faster. If someone was thinking about it right now and they were asking you, Robert, should I do this or not? What would you tell them? You should have done it yesterday. It's time to it's time to get in. If you look at this compared to. So many other investment alternatives. I can't think of uh, one that, uh, at the end of the day, is safer and gives you better returns. I mean, there's plenty of people that, oh, I'm going to make a, a fortune in crypto. Great. You might as well go to Vegas, put it all on black, because that's, in effect, what you're doing. Um, you know, there, there's, there's too much safety in this that you don't realize is really there. It's not a gamble. Uh, you just have to, uh, as, as you know, we hear often in, in the organization, follow the map. You know, here's the way you do it. The, here's all the safety valves so you don't have any problems. And, and just do it. It's, it's time to get involved and make it happen because you're not going to do it sitting there taking 10 or 15% of your income every paycheck and stick it in savings. You're never going to get to the point where you can actually step away from that day-to-day life. So you're a commercial appraiser, is that what you told me? Yeah, that, uh, most of my time is commercial. We, we do in my company, we do residential also, but most of my time is commercial. Okay, because I want to ask you a question when we come back for break, but I'm going to give you the question so you can think about it during the break, and that is, what do you think about the inflation that's going on right now? What do you think that's going to do to the real estate business in your mindset? And what do you think about as a commercial appraiser, the crazy cap rate compression that's gone on over the last three years? Those two questions, think about those, uh, and we'll discuss them when we come back, because those are some big questions that are out there right now. And you're getting ready to go into multifamily, so you have to have formed opinions of those two topics, as it were, right? Yes, sir. All right, very good. Now more intel from the files of Del Wamsley. I found a book by a gentleman that went from 400 pounds down to 200 pounds to become Mr. Universe. Bruce Randall's his name, so you can look that name up, see that I'm not making this up. And I read the guy's book, and now I could not only 
conceive, I could believe. It had been done. There it is. Before and after pictures, the story, the diet, the exercise, everything. So now I could conceive, believe, and eventually achieve. Now the most important thing that the next year and a half did for me while I lost all that weight and became one of the strongest kids in the nation and definitely won almost every strength contest I ever went to at that part of my age against people of my own age. What I realized was not that I was a good bodybuilder, a good powerlifter, a good Olympic lifter, which I did all of them, but it wasn't, that's what, isn't what I perceived. I never was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I could see that. I didn't have the genetics for it. But what I perceived was I had learned the secret to something. Now, I had not yet read Think and Grow Rich, but I knew that I had wrapped my arms around the secret of life. Which was what? Whatever the mind of man can conceive, believe it can achieve. As long as it goes out and gets the specific knowledge it needs from someone who's been there. We'll be right back with Robert Thompson and the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. My address, if you want to contact me, is askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com, which stands for Lifestyles Unlimited, Inc., so it's askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com. Askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com. We can get your you know questions answered for you. It's me answering your questions. No one else. Uh, I take my own emails and so forth. So if you got something, send it to me, and we'll see if we can get it. If it's good, uh, we'll think about putting it on the radio as a question that we can answer. Here with me today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Robert Thompson. Robert's out of San Antonio, Texas, about 11 houses, and is at the point where he's about ready to transfer over to multifamily housing uh, and change his business model. But I asked him as we went to break to let us know, because Robert is an appraiser, I just wanted to hear his opinion for all of you out there of what he thinks of this uh, really spiraling inflation that's going on right now. What do you think about all that, Robert? Yeah, you, you got a couple hours to talk about it. it the, there's, I look at housing prices, and and so I think it's a supply issue or lack of lack of supply. I guess would be a better way to term it. And uh, we just haven't built as many housing units as we've needed since we had that crash back in 08. Uh, any year you look at, we've had more uh, people needing new homes or new apartments, new places to live than we built in every single year. It kind of all came to a head with COVID. But uh, I, I don't see, I mean, while things may slow down, I, I don't, at least in, in my area of the country, I don't see a crash coming. Uh, I think that uh, we might flatten a little bit and then and then start going up again, getting back to a little more normal rate of growth. That's my that's what I'm seeing uh, when I read my tea leaves. The research that I've read is that we're we're short four million homes in the demand side of this of the supply and demand curve. That they could drop four million homes on the ground today and they'd be sold instantly. Uh, I don't know about San Antonio, but you know. Normally, houses used to take eight months to sell. Now they're taking like eight days to sell. It's just insane, uh, the demand out there. So I think you're right on. It's the demand-driven problem. Let's talk about the multifamily now. The multifamily has this cap rate compression, and you're getting ready to get into multifamily, so you realize 
prices in, ca- in, in multifamily are directly related to the cap rate, the rate of return on an all-cash deal. And what happens is that, you know, there's this normal process of valuing a property, and then there's normal appreciation, and you can, you can reposition the property and make it worth more because you changed it from a B to a A or a C to a B or whatever. But we're seeing just unprecedented cap rate compression because they keep lowering the interest rates and they kept lowering them and kept lowering them, kept lowering them, kept lowering them. So in all of our minds, that was the reason the cap rates were going down was because we thought that interest rates were getting so low, people would just pay more because they were still making the same amount of money on a higher price. And so they just outbid each other. But now you're at the point where they're going to start pushing the rates back up again. And yet the people out there that I'm listening to are saying they don't think cap rates are going to come back up with the interest rates. How do you see that? Yeah, I I think we've got a couple of things happening. Number one, more and more people and more and more money is bailing out of the securities industry because they're realizing it's not there. And so we have more and more money chasing real estate deals. And because of that, rates have to stay down. Uh, if you want a deal, you're going to have to pay a little bit higher price than the next guy, which means your cap rate's going to be lower. Uh, cost of funds, as you stated, when you talk about borrowed money, is down significantly. It's going to come back up. But what a lot of people don't realize when we, we talk about cap rates, the cap rate, when you look at it, you can look at it as a as a combination of return on debt, which is your interest rate on your mortgage, and the return on your equity. That's one way of looking at it. Another way is to look at it, it is supposed to be the number that you use to value a property when you boil everything down, including the current rents and income, if you will, that you're making now, as well as everything you anticipate making over your holding period. And so if cap rates are, are not going anywhere, that means that the market is pricing in anticipated continued increases in value uh, because I'm willing to pay and not get a good return today because I'm going to get a big return in a few years when I sell this. Somewhat akin to a value play type thing. Inflation is going to go up. Values are going to keep going up. Fine. I'm making a 5% return on my money today, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be making 15% because I'm making such a big return when I sell this in five or 10 years. Very well stated, Robert. Very well stated. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. That's exactly what's going on. And uh, there is no other place to put money. Well, there's lots of places to put money, but there's not the types of returns that we're seeing, even with these low cap rates. Um, when you look at the internal rate of return, you look at the long-term comparison of your return compared to the short-term, uh, like you're talking about, in the long run. Because if everything's selling for cap rate, and you, or if the cap rates keep going down, the your value is made not from the cash flow anymore. Your value is made from the increase in value. Like you were talking about when you first got into it, you weren't worried about the cash flow. You were worried about the increase in value. And the, Capital gains, I guess is what you would call it. I think that's really where the world's gone right now. They're saying, hey, I got too much money. I don't care about cash flow. I got money. What I want is gains, returns. And so they're going after it. Well, it's been great talking to you today, Robert. I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, getting you up on stage and your first multifamily deal. How long do you think that's going to take to get into that world? I got to find the deal first. And, and uh, I, you know, I think I, my plan is to try to have something within the next 12 months, probably try to do it before the end of the year. I just have to to find the right deal. My focus, because of where I think things are going and all that, I really 
and trying to focus on a value play. And uh, those can be a little more difficult to find these days. Um, I just I want to make sure I do a, a big bang for my buck on the deal. And gotcha. so that's that's the way I'm going to go. So, yeah, probably in the next 12 months, I'll at least, hey, here's here's the deal. We've got it started. Here's where we think it's going. I, I like to do things quick on the on on the, the return. So, yeah, in the next 12 months. Well, Robert, thanks for coming on the show today and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. And the rest of you out there, remember this. Robert, myself, and most of the people at Lifestyles, we're not doing this for a little more money. We're doing it for the Lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. 